This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to one of the greatest epics ever produced. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jump if you want to, but you'll be taking me with you, and that makes you a murderer. Okay? Come on, let's go you back. You bastard! Yeah, you'll be killing a cop. Now, yeah, I'll be killing a psycho nut cop! Yeah, a psycho, but I'm still a cop. You coming in? Come on, I'm going in. Fuck you! I'm jumping! Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? Well, then, that's fine with me. Come on, let's do it, asshole. Let's Wait a minute. do it. What? I want to do, do it. I want to do it. Welcome back to another episode of Dude Looks Like the 80s. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I've had to change it. Um, I was going to be doing Home Alone but then when I looked on IMBD it's actually a film that came out in the 90s, came out in 1990 so it's not right on the cusp of the 80s. But I've got to play by the rules here guys, can't go rogue. I'd like to, believe me I'd like to, but instead I'm going to be taking a look at a movie which I was going to be doing next year. It's the iconic movie from 1987. It's Lethal Weapon. So we're going to be um, reviewing the um, iconic cop duo from that time, from the 80s. So let's play you guys a trailer and I will see you soon. He's a criminal's worst nightmare. A cop who enjoys the danger. No guns, no jujitsu, just to bring him down. Do you really want to jump? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, I what do you do mean? It. Wait I a minute. What the? Ah! He was ready to retire. Now he's gonna wish he had. Gun. Oh, oh, oh. Raj, meet your new partner. New partner. <laughs> If these guys can just stand each other... What you got in there? Boy and Smith? A lot of old-timers carry those. The bad guys don't stand a chance. Don't kill anybody. Don't tell anybody. 
I'm too old for this. Are you as good as you say you are? Nobody can touch me. Suppose we better register you as a lethal weapon. You ever met anybody you didn't kill? Well, I haven't killed you yet. And welcome back guys, so let's have a look at the synopsis for this, it's from IMBD, which is two newly paired cops who are complete opposites must put aside their differences in order to catch a gang of drug smugglers. It's a 18, come out as an 18 that time, and it's 109 runtime. it's an action crime thriller, and it was directed by Richard Donner who was involved in films like uh, Superman and he was also involved with uh, one of my favourite movies which is The Lost Boys which I'm going to have to um, review sometime soon actually I think. Also written by Shane Black and if you've ever seen Predator, I'm figuring most of you guys have, Shane Black is, I think he's Poncho in that he's the uh, guy with the glasses, the comedian type guy in that, so that's his cameo, he's a great writer, he's done a good job with this. And as we know, starring Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Gary Boosie is the bad guy, he plays a good bad guy in this, and Tom Atkins does a cameo in this, we all love Tom Atkins, especially on um, the Legion podcast, we are all big fans of him, especially from films like Night of the Creeps. And he did a lot with um, John Carpenter. And honestly, guys, I don't do this on purpose with JC, but um, it is a good little bit of trivia for this film because Shane Black wrote a script called Shadow Company and John Carpenter was going to direct this film and it was about um, Vietnam soldiers coming back um, in body bags and they came back, they come back as zombies in a small town. And in that small town, You've got Kurt Russell as a sheriff who has to protect the town. Now, that sounds like a really cool movie, and it's a shame that it didn't get made. I actually would have swapped it for a film like Village of the Damned, say. Um, but it did eventually get made um, into Universal Soldier. It's kind of got that spin on it with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. So, there you go. There's a little bit of um, a tangent there. Let's not get too carried away with that. So, let's get back to this film. So it was backed by Warner Brothers and it had a very modest $15 million budget and it really did well at the box office. It just went boom. It took $102 million and everybody loved this movie when it came out. I think it did quite well critically as well. And I think it boosted or launched uh, Mel Gibson's career into Hollywood along with um, Danny Glover. Uh, Mel Gibson was obviously known back then for the Mad Max films, which um, were doing quite well. Uh, I think uh, Mad Max 3 kind of slipped a little bit, but uh, again, I won't go into a tangent there again with that. <laughs> and what else have we got? We've got old, uh, a stuntman, Dar Robinson, who unfortunately died. I, don't, I can't remember if he died on set on this film or another movie of this, but uh, he's actually one of the first people in Hollywood to have a film. Uh, dedicated to him so so I thought I'd give him a shout out there for the late Dar Robinson also 
um, to mention that uh, Joel Silver was involved with this film as well, and he was also involved with a film that I reviewed recently, which was Die Hard. So these guys were creating lightning in the bottle back then, um, which you know these films are still loved today, just just as much. And it also spawns a number of sequels and also a TV series that came out recently, which I'll be honest with you, when I first watched it, I weren't sure. I didn't think it would be that good. And I'll be honest with you, it was good. I loved it. I think uh, the stories, the writing was done very well. Uh, was it Clayne Crawford and Damon Wines did a great job. And later on, Sean William Scott took over from um, Clayne Crawford. Um, so yeah, they did did a good job. Did a great job there with that. So so let's have a look at this film then. So it starts off with the iconic Warner Brothers sign, and then you've got the uh, Jingle Bell Rock song, which I played at the beginning of the show. Real upbeat song. And then the first scene you get, you get a pretty blonde um, lady who's laying on the bed, and she's taking some sort of narcotic, some drug, and she feels like she can fly. And it's quite a quite horrible scene actually. She she jumps off from the balcony and goes into the car. And then later on, you find out that uh, she is the daughter of Tom, who is an ex-Vietnam war buddy of uh, Danny Glover's character, Murtaugh, which is kind of like the setting for this movie. It's kind of like the ignition. You then go on to a scene where you've got uh, Danny Glover in the bath, and he's about to retire. And he's thinking, I've just got a little bit of peace and quiet, but then his family come in, and this is his 50th birthday. And this is a scene which happens all the time in the uh, Lethal Weapon franchise where Murtaugh is being hounded by his family, but it's great. He is the family man, and he's also a bad, badass uh, police officer on the street as well. So he is, a, he is a lovable character. But then on the opposite end of the scale, you've then got the Riggs character who's sleeping almost like rough in a way. He's, he's in a trailer on a beach and he's got a picture of his wife who who's died and he, he just can't get over that which is quite sad and he's suffering some sort of uh, I guess PTSD and you get a scene here where he's like putting a gun into his mouth and he just wants to end his life so you've got the start of the building block of this movie of where he then becomes like the lethal weapon where he just just doesn't really give a shit um, and that doesn't go too well for the criminals in this movie, as we find out later on. You then got a scene here where it's, it's like another building block of the film where um, Roger Murtaugh is on the shooting range and his shooting isn't going too well. And you've got the sort of iconic scene where he sort of just nods his or he twists his neck around just to get his shooting right. So it's kind of showing you this character. He's just getting on a little bit. But then again, it's it's clever how this film goes. You've got the Murtaugh and then it sort of flips to the Riggs character where he responds to what they call a code three. It's a sniper at school. And I think this scene was cut out originally from the uh, TV uh, when it was shown on TV. Um, so I, I don't know if this is just an extra scene on DVD. I couldn't remember it when I originally watched it on TV. But anyway, so all the police are... It's that typical police cars have surrounded the building. There's um, senior police officers on mic trying to talk this guy down. But then Riggs just turns up again. He just doesn't give a shit. And he's pulls out his gun 
and he's walking towards the school with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and the sniper's taking shots at him, he's missing the bullets. And he, very cool as a cat, like I say, cigarette hanging in his mouth, gun pointing up, he just shoots a sniper at about 100 metres and... I'm still here, asshole! What do you only do, kids? Neutralizes the threat. So again, it's just another building block for the um, film to show you what uh, the Riggs character is all about. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the film kind of flips between the two characters. You've got the Murtaugh character who then investigates the uh, blonde lass who jumped off from the building into the car. And then when he investigates, he realises that he's his ex-war buddy, which is a Tom Atkins character. And he's just realising that um, this case then has a personal tie. And then going back to Riggs, there we go, going to two characters here. Um, you think Riggs after all that with the sniper? You think uh, the job will say, look, you know, pat on the back, have a day off? No, he goes straight into a drug deal. With a group of guys selling cocaine and Christmas trees. So there you go, you've got your um, another Christmas reference in this film. And obviously I'm talking about the Christmas trees right there, if you know what I mean. So you get this scene here, it's a funny scene. You assholes could go to jail. Hey, what do you whoa, say about that? Now I could read you guys your rights, but now nah, you guys already know what your rights are, don't you? <laughs> this badge ain't real. You ain't real. Oh, you sure are a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think I'm crazy? Yeah. yeah. How are you calling You're me crazy? crazy? You think yeah. I'm crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you want to see crazy? I'll tell you. <laughs> now, that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. Oh, that's awesome. What a line, eh? This is a real badge, and this is a real fucking gun. <laughs> So a shootout takes place where Riggs kills two of these guys and then one of them puts a um, grabs Riggs and puts a gun up to his head and this is where Riggs um, displays that he really doesn't give a shit and says to the guy, you know, just go ahead and shoot me. And there's two other undercover cops that turn up um, trying to deactivate, deactivate the situation but then Riggs ends up headbutting this guy and he takes care of it. And then in the meantime, you've got Murtaugh who has realised that the his friend's daughter wasn't a suicide it was a is now a homicide and that the drugs that she had taken had been um amalgamated with some drain clean or something which sort of fucked up the situation a little bit more and then back at the police station the police psychiatrist believes that Riggs is doing what he's doing and acting like a lethal weapon because he wants to get pensioned off and the captain decides to reassign Riggs to work with Murtaugh and make him partners. But then Murtaugh hasn't met Riggs and Riggs is in the office and he's obviously in his plain clothes and he goes to reach for his gun. And you get this scene right here. Gun! Gun! Raj, meet your new partner. And there you go, guys. So you get a great introduction there. You get the first line of the classic quote of um, Murtaugh saying, I'm too old for this shit. And they end up 
walk into the police car together and there, there's a funny scene where they're kind of comparing guns. He's got his Smith & Wesson. And Riggs is saying, oh, yeah, it's an old-timer's gun. And they're both kind of feeling like they've been sort of fucked over by the system somehow being paired up together. And then you get the scene now where you are introduced to the bad guys. You've got Gary uh, Boosie and uh, Ryan Mitchell as the general. And basically they are um, illegal drug smugglers bringing in drugs from Asia. And they are meeting up with a clientele to deal with some drugs. And you also get a scene here where Gary Boosie kind of shows he's throws a little bit of weight here where he gets... Um, Gets a lighter and shows how much high his pain threshold is, and that he's a bit of a badass. But you've also got, you also find out that these guys are ex CIA, um, ex military, very well equipped, very slick bad guys. So that kind of sets up the movie for the Riggs and Murtaugh character. That as much as you've got really good, you've got the real good guys, and you've got some real badass guys in this movie, and I think that's what makes this movie great. So you kind of got like a little bit of a backstory here. There's a bit of a uh, Vietnam emphasis here as well, where you've got the Riggs characters, ex-special forces as well. So, so in a nutshell, on the basis of these um, bad guys, that's that they're using their CIA skills and their contacts from Vietnam to make a financial gain on the streets of America. So that's kind of like your basis of this movie. Then got a scene where Murtaugh and Riggs go and visit Tom Atkins, which is Michael Hunsaker, and his daughter's the girl who's involved in the homicide. And he has history with Murtaugh with her buddies in Vietnam. And he took a bullet for him in Vietnam. And he says to Murtaugh, look, you owe me a debt. So in order to repay this debt, Murtaugh takes on the case to go and investigate. And then along the way, this is where you get the scene where um, I played at the beginning with the guy who jumps off the building. It's an incredibly funny scene. And this is where Murtaugh sees Riggs in action thinking, oh, my God, this man, it really is crazy. And he wants to kill himself. And after Riggs jumps off the building, you get this scene here. Get in here! Hey, okay, no bullshit. You want to kill yourself? Oh, fuck. Right. Shut up! Yes or no? You want to die? Yes or no? I got the job done! What the hell do you want? You didn't answer the question! Oh, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? Huh? Well, I do. I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my goddamn head out. Do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it every single day. So there you go, Murtaugh, he's having a great 50th birthday, he's just found out his partner really is crazy and he really doesn't give a shit. Um, but then they move on and they go to visit um, Amanda's pimp, who's the girl who um, involved in the homicide, and they go to visit the address and it turns out to be a drug lab. And some bad guys turn up and you have a shootout. The pimp pulls a gun on Murtaugh, but before he shoots Mar Murtaugh, Riggs shoots him and takes him out and saves Murtaugh's life. So they're kind of like starting to bond at this this time, but obviously they can't get the information. So they go to see a friend of Tom Atkins' daughter, and when they visit the address, the building blows up. After the explosion, Riggs uh, talks to a kid on the street, and the kid says that the man who visited the address before them had a similar tattoo to Riggs and this is where Riggs says you know this is a 
special forces tattoo and they're starting to put like two and two together they're beginning to get a lead um, on this investigation they realise that uh, the Tom Atkins character in this movie is not telling them the full truth of the case so they go back and visit him so when they go back and visit Tom Atkins he then tells them that he's been involved with Shadow Company which is the little bit of trivia that I told you earlier with the Shane Black story and he says that they are a drug smuggling ring and he's been helping launder money for them but because he wants to get out from this um, drug cartel in retaliation they killed his daughter uh, but before he tells them any more information you get a helicopter that turns up and you've got Gary Boosie with a sniper and he shoots uh, Tom Atkins before he gives it off any more information and then you get a shootout here retaliation fire from Riggs and Murtaugh but then the helicopter gets away so with Riggs and Murtaugh now entangled in this um, drug cartel the shadow company retaliate by kidnapping Murtaugh's daughter and for Murtaugh to get his daughter back, he has to exchange himself to Shadow Company um, on a meeting at a the El Mirage Lake. But Riggs has a plan um, to ambush it as um, he's a sniper. I also forgot to mention that the bad guys have also, well, they think they've killed Riggs um, on the street. But he is wearing a bulletproof vest, but Riggs has faked his death to make it look like he is dead. So you kind of got a little bit of, it kind of reminds me of the um, Untouchables movie with Kevin Costner where Al Capone is trying to retaliate and kill all of the protagonists. But then you get this, uh, like I say, you get this scene here. So the plan is unsuccessful and Riggs and Murtaugh, or well, the trio, they get um, captured and Riggs gets taken back to, I think it's like a nightclub. At the back of the nightclub, he gets electrocuted for like interrogation. And this is where Riggs says to the General and Gary Boosie that he remembers them from Vietnam and he remembers the shadow company being a bunch of pussies and he pretty much tells them to fuck off. Uh, so Riggs manages to get himself out of this situation, out of the chains. He, um, I think he strangles the guy who's electrocuting him and he gets out and he rescues Murtaugh and his daughter and upon breaking free Riggs uh, chases after the Gary Boosie character Joshua and he splits up from Murtaugh where Murtaugh goes after the general and you get a pretty cool scene here where Riggs has managed to get a machine gun and he's running down the street with a vest on and he's in pursuit of Gary Boosie but he gets away but then Murtaugh is after the general and the general is in a car and he drives towards um, Murtaugh. But Murtaugh does that scene with his Smith & Wesson where he does that bit at the beginning of the movie where he just twists his neck around and he shoots at the car and he shoots the driver and it flips over and the general's got some grenades in the car and the grenades go off and it blows up so he's taking him out. Boosie then drives back home to Murtaugh's house and when he gets to the house it's empty and it's a cool scene because he gets a note and it says dear bad guys no one's here but us good guys at the moment and then a police car comes crashing through the house and it's Riggs and you get the final showdown between him and Boosie where they're fighting in the garden you get this scene here Riggs! <laughs> So 
So it's a proper clash of the titans on Murtaugh's lawn. It's raining. There's a helicopter above throwing a beam down. So it's, yeah, it's a proper 80s fight. And Riggs managed to beat him. And as Bootsy is being detained by the police, he grabs one of their guns to go and shoot Riggs and Murtaugh. But before he does that, Riggs and Murtaugh both turn around and they shoot shoot him at the same time. So they take ultimately take him out. And that's where you kind of get the well, that's where you get the close of this movie. So they've taken out the bad guys. Um, Murtaugh's house has been destroyed in the process, which is something that you see quite frequently in this franchise. So that continues. And it ends quite nicely where Riggs and Murtaugh have kind of bonded after this situation. And Riggs goes round to Murtaugh's for a Christmas um, dinner. And that's where the film ends. That's how it comes to a close. So the formation of the Riggs and Murtaugh character is has begun. So that's it, guys. That's Lethal Weapon, 1987. And it also, as I mentioned earlier, it spawned a really good franchise. I think number two is equally as good as number one, uh, which I may cover because I think that was still made in the 80s. I think Lethal Weapon 3 just went into the 90s and you've got number four. And obviously the TV show, which I mentioned earlier. So it is a good, it's a good franchise. It's a, it's a good movie. Um, household names, household characters. So hope you enjoyed that, guys. Um, I'm going to be back soon. I'm going to try and possibly get another episode in for December. Um, but I'm looking at doing a film I thought about doing for a while now, which is the comedy movie planes trains and automobiles so it's it's one of my favorite 80s movies uh with the late john candy and it's a john hughes movie as well so um that will fill in for the home alone movie that i i was going to do um but that kind of jumped into the 90s it was probably made in the 80s to be fair but it's it is ultimately a 90s movie so uh there you go guys um like i say hope you enjoyed the episode and i'll be back soon and as always, I end the show with a song from the film. And it's a song by Michael Kamen. It is a proprietary song, and you will hear that right now. <laughs> and you will know what I mean. And the song is called, believe it or not, Lethal Weapon. And enjoy, guys. See you soon.